Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we gather our hearts together in worship this evening. Lord, we need a message, another message. We have received many stirring and beautiful and uplifting messages. Yet, O Father, we don't think ourselves greedy to ask Thee every evening of this week to bless us with a special message. From Thy heart, through the heart of this unprofitable servant, to the many, many hearts that are gathered here this evening. Help us, O Lord, to be receptive to thy word. For we ask it in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to read from a few passages of Scripture this evening. If you'd like to follow, reading from the New Testament. Second Corinthians is a letter and a few select passages from Second Corinthians, beginning with chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let's begin with our our reading with verse number um, 7. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, We use great plainness of speech. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled, to God. Chapter 6, verse 11. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? 
For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I don't remember exactly when it happened. I only remember what happened. It was several years ago. I had an opportunity to visit our congregation in Sonora, Mexico. It was a beautiful weekend. We were there for the very special event of a baptism. And it was such a joy to fellowship with these brothers and sisters in faith. Though I'm limited because I don't understand the language, I'm very limited in the language. But just to rejoice together over over every sinner that repents and comes to Christ. It was a, a blessed weekend. And yet, before that weekend was going to be over, I was going to make, we were going to make an experience that I have not been able to forget to this day. It was Sunday afternoon. The special services for the membership only were over. And uh, we had stepped outside of the, the little sanctuary to, the, um, to gather outside in the courtyard there in church. And we first heard news of a tragedy that had just taken place that very afternoon, just a few doors down from the church. A young woman had taken her life. You see, early that morning, as one of our brothers was driving into town, he needed to go pick up a few more things from um, the store for the noontime meal. He noticed as he was driving through the, um, through the neighborhood, there was a young woman seated at the side of the road crying. And it bothered him, but Brother Larry really didn't have the time. Uh, maybe didn't know if it was right to stop or just she was by herself, so he kept on driving, but he... He remembered this later. And it was later that afternoon we learned why she was crying. You see, um, her boyfriend or husband, I'm not sure exactly what he was to her, had beaten her one more time, yet once again, badly. And in her despair... She sat by the side of the road and wept. And in her darkness, she determined that that would be the last time he was going to beat her. I'll spare you the disturbing details of her death. I'll just tell you it was tragic. That evening, when we went to the wake, um, 
It's the custom of the people there that uh, when someone dies, they bring the body to the home immediately, that same day, I should say, and uh, they, um, the neighbors come. They have a vigil all night. They stay together, I guess, supporting the family. And then early the next morning, they, they bury the person. That night when we went there, I, 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 can, I can still see the scene. A very poor dwelling, a dusty courtyard, and there is the open casket set in the middle of it. There is this plastic, gaudy-looking crucifix fixed over the casket. He looked inside through the plexiglass covering, and I saw this beautiful young woman. It seemed to me I could still see the anguish on her face. Daughter of a suspected prostitute, and yet she was also the mother of the young child standing a few feet away, trying to break your heart. It was a tragic scene. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I, I tell you this because I want to tell you what happened that afternoon when we went to the house. After we heard the news of this, we went over, uh, several of us from the church, those of us who are visiting and those from the um, Brother Marcella, Sister Maria, and those who are with them, we went to visit the family. And um, as we came to the household, the, um, the family members met us outside and they uh, shared with us, they informed us what had happened. And uh, the situation was that the mother of the woman, the young woman, was inside the house and she didn't know that her daughter was dead. She knew the details, some of the details of what had happened, and she was in the house in distress, and, but she didn't know. And, and the family member said to us, he said, someone has to tell her that she died. Her daughter passed on. She didn't make it. But, but we can't tell her because we don't have the words. You have the words. Would you please tell her for us? You have the words. What words would we have? What words would you have? We walked inside the, the house. Again, I, I, it, was, it was a pitiful scene. And I, I don't mean to um, just go into a lot of graphic details. And so I just try to share with you you know, we pray that God would give us words to share, but what do you share with this woman who's in distraught and in complete distress that about her daughter had been beaten again, and now she has to be informed that no, her daughter is dead. You have the words. You tell her. There's something about that that has stayed with me over the years. You have the words. Loved ones, what words do we have? I'm reminded of the, the scriptures that we have read together this evening because I believe that it is important. You, you know, the, the, the um, experience I just shared with you, I, I grant it, is a bit extreme and, and it's not every day that we come across someone who is, 
in this situation, or we encounter situations like this. But you know, if you think from a spiritual perspective, we encounter far more tragedies than we realize in life. Men and women, young folks, whose spiritual connection to God, either that has never been made or is in danger of being severed, we, we encounter actually many situations in life where it is important that we have the words that are fitly spoken for that moment. And, and how will we have words that are fitly spoken? What words would be fitly spoken to tell a woman that her daughter is dead? I mean, can you imagine a more pitiful scene than that? Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul spoke of his calling. And, and I, I hope that in this evening as we meditate on this, that we will see from the scripture what we can take from it and take with us. Last evening, before we get to Second Corinthians here, last evening it was the, uh, we were reminded from the scripture how the Lord had said about our words. In Matthew 12, uh, verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. You know, loved ones, our words are more than just uh, the, the word, the literal word itself, or how, how can I explain myself? There's more to the word than just what you find in the dictionary. As you can find all the, the definitions, that's good. But there's more to the word than that. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. James wrote, in chapter 3, uh, verse 12, I believe it is, he says, you know, a fountain cannot yield salt water and fresh water. Only one or the other, not both. What are our words? When he spoke of himself, the Lord Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, John six sixty three, they are spirit and they are life. But when he spoke about us, he said that our words come from the overflow of our heart. So the things that are in our heart, the, out of the abundance of our heart, out of the fountain within, flow out either, flows out either salt water or fresh water. So think of this. These, uh, what was it, 18,000 words Brother Dan told us last night that come out daily. They're coming, they, they are the overflow of our heart. And we're looking for words that are fitly spoken. And so we, we see from this that we need to trace it back to the source of where these words are coming from. You and I may articulate things differently because of our preferences or what have you, our upbringing, but, but the one thing that is the same is that every word that's coming out of my mouth this moment and every word that came out of your mouth this day is flowing out of your heart. Something for us to keep in mind as we think about this need to have words that are fitly spoken as we meet men and women who need to hear the words. You have the words, they told us. You tell her. Not only are the words an overflow of the heart, but in here in the, um, in the scripture that we have read together in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, the apostle is speaking of the ministry 
that he has been called and charged with. And he made this contrast. I'm sure you, 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 you followed it here. He spoke this contrast between the law of Moses given in the old covenant as well as the, the law of grace, if you will, that's given through Jesus Christ. And he spoke of one, he described it as the ministration of death, the ministration of condemnation. That's the law of Moses to my uh, limited understanding that as Moses and as God through Moses delivered to Israel the precepts of God and the commandments and so forth, this was a ministration. This was a, this was a stewardship that was given the oracles of God, given by God to his nation, not simply to Moses, but to his nation. And he entrusted them with his oracles, with the true statements of the living God. But be that as holy and as important and as glorious as it was, yet it pales in comparison to the ministration of the Spirit, and Paul calls it the ministration of righteousness that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, and he compares these two and he says that this which we have received from the Lord Jesus far surpasses the glory that came through Moses. You see, loved ones, Paul understood that the words that he spoke were not only the overflow of his heart, but in fact, they were spoken within the framework of his ministration, of the dispensation, the stewardship that was entrusted to him. Paul was called to a ministry. Let's put it this way, if we can, simply. And so every word that he spoke was going to be a word within the framework of, I am in the ministry of my Lord. And so the words that I speak represent him. But actually, the prime example for us is even before Paul, but the Lord Jesus himself. How many times, especially in the Gospel of John, we can find that he emphasizes over and over again, the words that I speak to you are not my words. My Father gave me the words. It's not my doctrine. It's my Father's doctrine. It's not my words. It's my Father's words. You, you follow, just follow the cross-references there in the Gospel of John, and, and you'll find several references where our Lord Jesus is emphasizing my words are actually my Father's words. And it was a fulfillment of the prophecy, again through Moses, Deuteronomy 18, 18, when he said, I will raise up a prophet among you, and that prophet I will command to him what he shall speak, and he will speak all that I tell him to do. And Jesus fulfilled that in John's Gospel. He says, all that the Father commanded me, I am speaking and so, loved ones, the words that you and I speak as we, as we desire to be, have the ability to speak uh, fitting words for occasions that we encounter in life, expected or otherwise, we know they come from the heart. They know, they, we know they're an overflow of the heart. But actually, we need to see this a little bit more, bring this into focus. They are delivered within the context of the ministry that you and I have been called unto a ministry that is glorious. He says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God has, God has entrusted to him this word. You have the words. You tell her. You have the words. Loved ones, in our lifetime, many are the occasions where you and I, if we are ready and if we are prepared for that, that we will have words to share, right words, fitting words. And it's not so much eloquence 
I don't think that the, the uh, scripture is referring to here, but words that are filled with the spirit and with truth, words of life. Jesus, and aren't we, aren't we all to be little Christ Christians? Isn't that what it meant to be a Christian, a little Christ? He is the word of God. And so aren't you and I a word from the Lord? Not a different word, but if we are in his image and if we are filled with his spirit, then the words that come out of our heart, that overflow our heart, come out through our lips, off our tongue, will be words that are fitly spoken. Yes, loved ones, here he says, it's been committed to us, this word of reconciliation. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors, what, and the, the role of an ambassador, I'm intrigued by that. I, I just did a little bit of reading on that just to try to understand. I, I thought I had a good idea, and, and I think it was pretty well on, but an ambassador is uh, someone, and I, I'm not going to give you a, a, the dictionary definition because I can't remember it exactly, uh, verbatim, but an ambassador, you know, is it a diplomat who is, who is assigned to work in a certain country, and he is to represent the country he's from. And so he's to live as a foreigner, and he's to represent not himself as, let's say, an American citizen, but to represent the government of the United States of America. And if we are ambassadors for Christ, then surely of the few things that ambassadors must be keenly aware of at all times, number one, they ought to remember always where they are. As an ambassador who's at work, he or she is not in their homeland. They're not in their, in their uh, land of nativity, if you will. They are sojourning in a foreign land. An ambassador cannot forget that fact. An ambassador cannot fic- uh, forget who he is. He is someone who is to speak not his own message. He just doesn't make these things up. Lest he be dismissed. He is being in continual communication with the one that he reports to so that he is consistently, constantly communicating the messages, the messaging that his country wants him to share with that country. But there's almost something a little bit different about you and I as ambassadors of Christ because our situation, loved ones, as ambassadors, it doesn't exactly fit that. I mean, it includes that, I believe, and probably much more. But, you know, you and I are ambassadors in a country that has not invited us, in a kingdom that has not invited, that is hostile to us. Spiritually, you and I are in a different kingdom. Yes, we belong to the kingdom of Christ, but if you follow me, follow me just for a moment, as we are here under the prince, in a place where the prince of the power of this world, the God of this world, rules and has his way, you know, you and I are not welcome here in this world. From the perspective of the, this world's God, small g. And so as being ambassadors, then we have to be somewhat, even maybe perhaps even more aware of our responsibilities to bring this message to find somebody somewhere who is willing to listen to the king's message. No less can we do, for that's what Jesus did. And so the, the, the apostle puts it in such a, uh, a beautiful, moving way. He says, you know, we are ambassadors of Christ and, and for Christ. And as though God did beseech you by, by us, we pray you. And Christ said, be reconciled to God. And so, loved ones, 
If we are to have words, you have the words, you talk to her, you tell her. If we are to have the words to tell people something, then loved ones, we need, of course, to be in continual communication with the one who gives us the words. Why did Jesus pray all night? But that he, being the word of God, might remain in complete and perfect communion with his Father so that he could say of confidence and with, 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 with clear conscience, I am speaking everything my Father commanded me to speak. Blessed is the man and woman who has the conscience clear to say that. And that's not to be a hypothetical state we hope one day we can reach in eternity. That is to be the present expectation God has of his children today, here and now, 2016. Speak the words that we have been given, committed to us. Now, we might wonder if we read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, how does this connect? Why does Paul go now into this topic? It almost seems like he, he turns the page and, and now he's off in a different direction with his epistle because he says, these things such as be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, um, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness, commune with light with darkness, and so on and so forth. And, and I don't mean to make light of these words, but just to make the, the initial point that it almost seems like this doesn't quite um, go along or seems to be a new topic in the letter. It seems that way at first glance. But loved ones, I would uh, share with you that as I've looked at this, I think actually that uh, it's very well connected. And I believe the uh, Lord, through the apostle, is explaining to us our ability, or not our ability, let me, let me rephrase that, our, our state of being an ambassador, one who is involved and engaged in the ministry of the New Testament, of the gospel, the ministry of the gospel, is actually very well connected to chapter 6 and the first verse we read. You notice there in the first verse, it says, having therefore these promises. What promises is the Apostle Paul referring to? He's referring to the promises he just mentioned at the close of chapter 6, where he said, I will be their God. I will dwell in them. I will walk with them. They shall be my people. These are precious promises, and, and it's not right for us just to fly over them, but, but just for the interest of time, these promises Paul is referring to on purpose so that it would ground them to know their identity. You know, this is the heart of God that's beating in these verses. These words were conveyed down through the centuries of time. You're beginning with Abraham on through. You can hear the echoes of these words in, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, where again it's being repeated again and again. They shall be my people and I will be their God. I will walk among them. I will dwell with them. This is the heartbeat of God. He wants his children close to him. Loved ones, Paul says, having these promises, let us therefore cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's take that backwards, in the fear of God. If Paul is saying, as an ambassador, one who will be ready and indeed prepared to speak fit words for situations we encounter and lives we encounter day in, day out, we need to then to take this word, this verse seriously. The fear of God. In the fear of God, he said. I don't believe the apostle, forgive me, I don't believe the apostle was referring to this neutered down, watered down concept of it just means to respect God a lot. You know, John the apostle, the fear, I'm, we're talking about the phrase now, the fear of God. It, it is a blessed truth 
Perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not trying to contradict that. And we praise God for that truth. Perfect love casteth out all fear. But this same loved disciple of the Lord Jesus, who leaned on the breast of Jesus, the one who could gladly say, I am one who Jesus loved. That's how he referred to himself. Yet he's the same man who fell at the feet of the risen Lord as dead when he saw him in all his glory. Loved ones, there are times for you and us in our life to lean on the breast of Jesus and to sing safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast. And loved ones, there are times when you, are, you and I, I think, need to fall at his feet as one that is dead. When the word of God tells us in this passage that we are to perfect holiness in the fear of God, be sure of this truth, that it is in the fear of God, and it is with that reverence that grips our soul, that stops the heart, as it were, for a moment in time, and he can look into our eyes, and he has our full attention. We take our children and say, look at me, I'm talking to you when they're young. I want you to look at me, I'm talking to you. When we, they seem to have a little different difficulty focusing. They're looking for the door, not at our face. God gets us and he looks in our eyes, loved ones, in the fear of God. We have, we are, this, is an, this is imperative. We are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. What does the apostle mean to perfect holiness? Has he forgotten what he's written in other scriptures? Can we make ourselves holy? And yet he says we are to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Loved ones, this does not take away from the sovereignty of God. This does not take away from the... Um, this does not mean that we are now working for our salvation. Paul understood that we have a responsibility before the living God to take him at his word. And if we are going to be engaged, fully engaged in this ministry, loved ones, we must take this word to heart. If you and I are not willing to take this word and, and to allow it to, to, to how should I say, to uh, come under the authority of this word, allow it to wash over us, then please spare us of all the wonderful things you and I plan to do for the Lord. All the great places and all the great things that you and I are going to do for Christ. If we are truly to be the servants of Christ, we must be men and women who are committed and understand the need for consecration. Consecration. Servants that are used by the Lord in the most unexpected and difficult times in either your life or somebody else's life will be a man and a woman that is consecrated to God. Consecration. Loved ones, this is a call that's on my heart that you and I have been, would, would be reminded perhaps in this evening that we are called to live consecrated lives. Did not Paul live a consecrated life? Jesus certainly did. He, he went out of his way to explain that I'm not telling you my words. I'm telling you his words. Loved ones, could we do no less than he? But it, it, it's important because I believe this is a key for us in, in our 
in our application of this scripture, because we are really looking at a, an Old Testament scripture, and in this week I, I sense that we are searching for the New Testament context of what we read here this, uh, before us in the banner. What is the New Testament context of a word fitly spoken? Is it not to have the Spirit of Christ within us to be consecrated to him that we can speak the words that he gives to us to a lost and a dying world? Oh, praise God that we have men and women brothers and sisters who are consecrated for the Lord. And this consecration need not or is not designed to be some type of second work of grace. Brother and sister, if you and I have been baptized into the spirit and into the water, if you and I have been born again from above, we have been filled with the spirit. That spirit is a holy spirit. And so when he says that we are to be perfecting holiness He did not say we're to be manufacturing holiness. He said we're to be perfecting in the sense of, not in an impossible sense of being uh, absolutely flawless. I don't think that God is expecting something from us that we all really know that is impossible, but we'll just pretend it as if it might be possible. No, our God doesn't, I don't think, work that way. He is the one who indwells us. This is a clear expectation. He needs consecrated servants who will be able, therefore, because if we are not consecrated, loved ones, if we do not think that it's that important to do this introspection that verse one is describing for us, you know, you and I may have many words to speak, but will they be blessed by God? Will they, in the spiritual sense, be fitly spoken for the need of that soul? that looks you in the eyes. I spoke to a man on the street, lives on the street. I I have a lot of those opportunities since I worked downtown. We were, I was was walking to, I had several blocks to walk to work and I saw this man and, and I just felt in my heart, I prayed, Lord, what can I say to him? And so we, we, I stopped and I talked to him and I'm thinking, what would I say? And he had a large cross on, so that was a great, I thought, conversation starter. So I asked him about the cross and I asked him about how he's doing today. And, uh, you know, you interact with several homeless people, you, 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 you get to know their sad circumstance for that moment in their life. You smell them from 20, 30 yards away, you look at them, you can see you know, you're standing in their bedroom when you're talking to them. They're on the sidewalk. And I talked to, we spoke together, and um, I tried to share the Lord with him, Christ with him. And th- this man began to cry, and he's weeping. He says, man, he says, I'm just, I'm just like the apostle, Paul. You know, the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. The things I want to do, I just can't. I'm just like Paul. And he was weeping. And it touched my heart so much. But I praise God that he gave me the word to share with them. I says, Herrick, I have words for you. God's word tells us the solution to your dilemma is you're living under the law. And you live under grace. Jesus Christ makes you a new person. You don't have to live under the law anymore. Loved ones, when can we, am I always at, uh, but I'm not trying to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that I'm always ready to give a, uh, a, fit, a word fitly spoken. You and I are called to be ready at every time to give an answer, to give a word that's fitly spoken to men and women that we meet. 
Because there are many tragedies that surround us, spiritual tragedies that are not visible to the naked eye, but often to the heart and to the ear. Yes, loved ones, when he says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, it is a, it is a, it's a calling for you and I to live consecrated lives. We have a responsibility, loved ones, to, to examine ourselves and to, to see are there things that we take for granted in our life that God is not pleased with, things that he expects and he is asking us to strip away because they hinder and they block and they prevent the Spirit of God from speaking through us and working in our lives. It's easy for me, I'll I'll confess to you, it's easy for me to assume I can read quickly through verse 1 and move on. Of sec- but, but I think there is a link here in, the, in, the, in this passage, in the passages we have read together. Even you go back to chapter 6, verse 1, he says, we then, there as he, we then as workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. You see, loved ones, it is the grace of God that enables us to be the ambassador that he's called us to be. So as he, has, as he has commissioned us, he will consecrate us, and all this is under the grace of God. By the grace of God, we have been enabled to be his servants. But, but the exhortation is, don't receive God's grace in vain. Can someone receive God's grace in vain? Loved ones, it is possible. It doesn't rob God, God, the Lord of his sovereignty or mean his grace was somehow insufficient, but it would mean that someone was careless and neglectful of the grace of that they have received. Don't receive it in vain. The grace that we have received is to forgive us of our sins, to make us new, and to enable us to be the servants, consecrated servants for the Lord. Men and women that can speak words that are fitly spoken. Loved ones, my heart grieves when I hear brothers and sisters joke about the worldly movies they watch. And I'm not referring to Finding Nemo. You know, fine, you have Netflix, you watch YouTube. I'm not here to make a case about that one way or the other. But what do you watch? What do I watch? Do the actors use the Lord's name in vain? If they do, do we need to go any further? That's our Lord they're talking about. Doesn't that offend us? Or our hearts become desensitized to that. And we actually find somehow a a bit of entertainment. Oh, we put that aside. Is there profanity in what we listen to or watch? Are men dressed immodestly? Women immodestly? Who would think? Women immodestly? Loved ones, when the Word of God said, teaches us to... Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The church will lack power till the day of Christ if we do not take a word like this seriously. I know it's not the whole of the New Testament, but loved ones, the mission is important. The calling is high. The responsibility is great, and we must not only be commissioned and called, but consecrated for the work the Lord has called us to. You know that night when I was there at the wake, let me just share this with you. 
You remember the woman who said, you have the words. The family member said, you have the words, you tell her. We were inside that house and praying, you know, what do we say? But later that evening, we went to the wake. Um, The family asked us, you know, many villagers standing around. It's dark. Lighting's not good. There's a bonfire burning. People are talking in small groups quietly. They're still weeping. They're still crying, but it's more subdued now. There that night, the family said to the brothers, could you share something? In such a tragic situation like that, to break your heart, yet my soul rejoiced to watch, watch that scene. Our brother, you know, um, he took the word. No time to prepare. This is a Nehemiah 2-4 moment. Remember Nehemiah? I prayed unto the God of the heaven and I said unto the king. He had no time to prepare. He just opened the word and as the spirit gave him utterance, he spoke and shared the gospel. There were many there under the stars that night saw the men of the, of, the, of the village with their cowboy hats, boots, smoking their cigarettes. They got a little bit quieter than the dirt road and they came a little bit closer. I saw doors open up. The neighbor come out from the side to come a little bit closer to the fence to listen what was, the brother was sharing. And as God gave him words, I know that. Brother Marcelo, I don't know where you're seated tonight, but I think to myself about that moment. And I tell you, I believe It's my faith God can still raise fruit from the seed you shared that night. It was beautiful. We need to be consecrated servants. We don't always have time to go home and come up with a great intro, three or four points on the outline, a snappy conclusion, and ready to deliver it in the right tone, inflection, and so forth, mood and setting. No, loved ones, life doesn't happen that way. It's usually unscripted. May God give us the grace, loved ones, to understand that he enables us by his spirit to meet the needs of the Erics of the world, of the men and women. So the word was fitly spoken that day. I'm pretty sure the woman there in that, sitting on her bed that afternoon as we walked inside to try to share with her, I don't know if she remembers a thing But I know that night when the word was shared, loved ones, we have the words. We have the words. She said it to us. You have the words, you tell her. They they said it to us. You have the words, you tell her. Loved ones, do we know what words we have? We can have lots of words, but if they're not consecrated words, what good are they? But words that are filled with the Spirit are words that will change lives. This is why I could say we are workers together with him. When men and women can have the fear of God that Jesus had, when he said, I am not speaking to you my words, but his words. And when we can approach our life realizing that every word is not only the overflow of my heart, but it comes within the ministration that you and I have been called into. Loved ones, and the words that you and I will speak, we have the words. What are we doing with them? Yes, we're not qualified from speaking them and sharing them if we ignore verses like one, chapter seven, verse one. But praise God, 
in this day and in this hour, we have grace from above to be his servants, servants of the Most High, men and women that know the word because the word knows them, men and women that speak the word because the word speaks to them, men and women that show how to live the word because the word lives through them. We have the words. We have the words. You speak to them. You have the words. Let's bow in prayer. Father, you have given the words, thy holy word, that we read, that we memorize, that we study. Father, as you have consecrated many here on a mission, you sent your son to save souls. And he came back victorious. Lord, that is our mission, to be Christ-like, to be tools in your hand to save souls by deed and word. And we pray that we would be sensitive to the leading of thy spirit and that indeed we would have the words, thy word. Through Christ, whom we can pray. Amen.